I don't know how many people were really waiting for this WASDE report that came out on Friday. You know, I mean, we all expected it to be pretty vanilla, but it was almost more vanilla than we expected. The other thing, too, is is that farmers and everybody in between is more concerned about the weather right now. We'll talk about all of it coming up here with Market by the Numbers. Sean Cavanaugh standing by. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each and every week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And after the WOTUS thing, the attention has shifted to the farm bill and the Farm Bureau. Well, they're right there, front and center. And, of course, their activity only happens with your membership. So consider supporting the Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online, too. It pays to be a member.org. Well, John Cavanaugh, you know, we were saying it's a WASDE report coming up, and uh, you're looking at the market, and they're not really reacting too awfully much to it. And I think maybe traders, maybe they squared up positions a little bit, but what were they squaring it up for? There weren't dramatic expectations coming out of this thing. No, there weren't. You know, typically the June S&D numbers are pretty bland. There usually are not any major changes. And well, by gosh, they thought they might be some this year, primarily because uh, the export market has gotten so soft. In the yeah, right. But it came out pretty blah again. The estimates were almost right on when it comes to corn and, and also soybeans. They changed very little. They did drop the U.S. corn exports by 50 million bushels. We could see that one coming based on how bad sales are. (laughs) Uh, But they also turned around and reduced imports, so the net change was only 35 million. Same way with the soybeans. The carryovers came in very close to the estimates and slightly above last month's. Again, neutral, nothing to get excited about. Let's face it, Rod, you already said it all. The focus right now is on one thing and one thing only. It's the weather. It's been dry. It's been very dry. (laughs) It's been one of the driest days in history, you know, which is very significant, but only if it stays dry because it's still early. It's too early to kill the crop. We need rain. We need it soon, certainly within the next seven to ten days. It's crucial. If we get it, though, and we have normal weather here for it, we can still have very good crops and a very big buildup in stocks. If it doesn't rain and this and this drastic weather continues over a major part of the Midwest, we're going to have serious problems. Yes, we need rain in a pretty serious way. Good news is it looks like at least here we might be getting some over the weekend. We'll be looking forward to that. Ryan Martin is telling us a quarter to three quarters of an inch, depending on how lucky you are. But in addition to that, USDA is reporting that there's a, a pretty significant high pressure area that is camped over the southern part of Canada. And that is what is preventing El Nino from really, you know, beginning to develop for us, which is what we were expecting. We're going to have more on that. I've got a report coming up in the news about that. But one thing before we get off the report numbers, Brazil, I got some news this past week that there's still some concern about some of the crops there. I know they planted a lot of hectares and not so fast, guys. It looks like we might still have some problems. And that does not mean that I'm saying that it's going to be a smaller crop. It's a huge crop. Actually, Rob, they're expecting record production of both corn and soybeans this year. And I haven't been picking up any problems coming out of Brazil. Everything I hear out of Brazil is very good. But, you know, that's kind of built into the market already. Mm. And the market's relaxing a little bit because the Brazilian corn keeps getting bigger. The, the USDA estimate was $132 million. They upped it by, uh, what, $2 million over May. Soybeans at one fifty-six. That's up a million from May. So the bottom line is they're going to have record production. 
And they're already taking a lot of our market share away from us. Yeah. This coming year, it's going to continue to be that way. What really bothers me, and all producers should be aware of this, that I don't know what the weather's going to do. Nobody does. But I can tell you one thing. From here forward, we get normal rainfall. The average typical precipitation in the months of July and August, we're going to have trend line yields or higher than trend line yields. And we're going to build stocks significantly and prices are going to go lower. Take a look at these things. Get the stuff sold to protect yourselves. This thing is a little bit scary if we get to the precip. But right now, with El Nino coming and the thoughts about having relatively cooler temps this summer, watch out. Be careful. I think the reason why people are getting a little bit uh, excited about things are the National Corn Condition rating came in below even the most pessimistic of trade estimates this past week. At uh, just about 64% good to excellent, which was down five points on the week. Yeah, to your point, we need the rain. We need it badly. And if we get it, then, you know, we're probably going to be just fine. And if El Nino finally gets an opportunity to begin to take hold, then we begin to get the rains through those uh, critical parts of the season. But let's get back to something that you touched on there, and that was export sales, because we have been talking about it for weeks and how pathetic they are. 6.8 million bushels of old corn and a net cancellation of 4.2. And this goes back to the cancellations, John, that we continued to talk about. You know, China came in and bought a bunch bunch of contracts and everything, got everybody all excited and and, uh, feeling all bullish about life. And then uh, we were looking at it going, yeah, well, see if this crop in Brazil gets good. And it did. Then we had suggested here three months ago that there were going to be cancellations. And we're seeing them now. Yeah, why is that? Because, you know, they can buy it cheaper out of Brazil. The Brazilian crop is now being harvested. They're going to dominate this thing until we get to next fall when the U.S. takes over again. And, boy, the export sales, again, were terrible. Now, the USDA did drop corn exports by $50 billion, uh, on Friday. And I'd like to point out, that if you go back to September, when the, when the first S&D came out by the government, their corn export projection is now down by about 650 million bushels from what they thought it was going to be back in September. Now, that's an utter disaster. <laughs> you know, it, it's just terrible. We're looking at corn exports, the latest projection, at only 1.725 billion bushels. And holy cow. Rob, none of us saw that coming. Yeah. You and I have had conversations this past week about bearish and bullish and what's bearish and what's bullish and and looking at some things and saying, gosh, is there anything that's bullish out there? Because there's a lot of bearish stuff. Uh, What's indicating to us exactly what you're talking about there is the basis level on the Ohio River dropping fairly drastically. I don't know if that's too strong a word, but I think (laughs) dropping by half is pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, But that really is indicating what it is that you're talking about there with the lack of expertise export uh, enthusiasm, but talk about this bearish and uh, bullish. And that was that dam that got blown up in Ukraine. Now, Ukraine and Russia, both of them point the finger at the other guy. It wasn't me. It was that they blew it. No, not not me. Well, because it's a war crime. Usually when something like that takes place, somebody wants to take credit. I did it. I did it. Well, nobody's taking credit for it for the simple reason that it's a war crime. So obviously you don't want to get pinned on news. However, coming back to agriculture, it's having an impact. My gosh, it affects 1.235 million acres of land in Ukraine, which uh, will be left without irrigation, and that land's going to dry up. And that area, before the war, that area produced 4 million tons of wheat and oil seeds per year, mostly wheat, of course. So, therefore, 
that's actually on the bullish side. And plus, as you mentioned last week, one-third of China's wheat crop is flooded. So I'm surprised we haven't had more of a bullish reaction to that. But uh, frankly, there's some problems there that over this coming year we'll probably see some impact from. One last thing before we go to your final word, and that was part of the report about uh, U.S. crop production. Now, you know, for USDA to continue to stick with their numbers, which I still think are a little on the aggressive side at a yield of 181.5 for corn and 52 bushels for soybeans, still think those are just a little tiny bit high. But I don't expect them to change any of that until we get to the end of the month because at the end of June, so only 20 days away, we get the planted acreage report, which will probably be more indicative of what the numbers we should expect come the end of the season. Uh, exactly right. I've, you know, I'd kind of forgotten about that. But we've got a big acreage report coming out at the end of June. And this one, of course, is going to be more accurate than we, what we saw back in March because it's, we've actually got the acres in the ground. And it ought to be more accurate than usual because this time around, the crops are all pretty much planted. So the data should be more accurate than it usually is. How many years have we gone into the June report? And we still didn't even have all the acres planted yet. So it's, this one should be more accurate and therefore more significant. And we'll keep you posted on that as we get a little bit closer because I think that, uh, you know, as is usually the case, you got all these people that have boots on the ground and, they, and, and then you get the organizations that evaluate that sort of stuff coming out with their guesstimates before the report comes out. So we'll keep you posted on that as well. So here we are, tail end of the program. Time for you to uh, tell us uh, what we forgot to talk about. So uh, John Cabanas. Final word. Well, we haven't forgotten to talk about it, but I'll just point out and bring everybody up to date. When we talk about the uh, percent of production that's affected by drought, that's going up, as you might expect. And specifically, as it stands today, corn acres, 45% of corn production is being affected by drought. Now, that's up 11% from a week ago. Now, this dry weather is really starting to take its toll. Yeah. Uh, soybeans, uh, 39% of the soybeans are affected by drought, and that, too, is up 11% from a week ago. So, obviously, we got to hold our breath until we get rain. Well, you are just a bearer of wonderful tidings, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And coming up on July 20th, estate and succession planning for the family farm. It's going to be offered virtually and one of our friends and supporters of Midwest Ag, Dan Gordon, is going to be presenting the four ways to lose the family farm. Mark your calendar for July 20th. This is one of the great things the Farm Bureau is doing to help support farm families here in our state. The only way possible for the Farm Bureau to do these kinds of things is with your support, and that comes through memberships. Isn't it time you become a member? Find out how. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org podcasts by Federated Media.